On today's episode of the Cosmos Podcast, we are continuing our special sponsorship series. My guest today is Ken Vesna, Vice President of Business Operations for the Brampton Beast. If you haven't already, you may want to check out episode 5 of the Cosmos Podcast, where I sat down with Ken and discussed his background and career in minor league sports. In this episode, Ken and I discuss how to pitch and negotiate a sponsorship. This is part 5 of a sponsorship series Cosmos is hosting with Central County's Tourism and Sport Durham. Remember, you can subscribe to the Cosmos Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We hope you enjoy. Good afternoon. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to our corporate sponsorship webinar series uh, hosted by Cosmos Sports and Entertainment and brought to you by Central Counties Tourism and Sport Durham. Uh, my name is Evan Colborn. I'm the Director of Business Development here with Cosmos Sports and Entertainment. And here with me is a new face for our series, uh, Mr. Ken Vesna. Uh, what a face it is. Yeah. yeah. Of, the, uh, of the Brampton Beast Hockey Club, Vice President of Business Operations uh, for, for the team. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. It's great. It's a great concept you guys are doing and uh, glad to be a part. Hopefully I can uh, live up to the lofty uh, bar set by our uh, fearless leader. So. Yeah. Um, so as, as I mentioned, uh, the series uh, brought to you by Central Counties Tourism and Sport Durham. So special thanks to both of those groups. Um, as normal, a couple housekeeping items before we get started. Uh, if you have any trouble seeing anything that's on the uh, computer behind you, um, like right now where it's a dark screen, um, all the slides all the slides will be made available afterwards. Um, so if you have any trouble reading anything, don't worry about it. We're going to send the slides out to everybody afterwards. Uh, we would like to reserve the last few minutes for some Q&A. In, if you're looking on the YouTube screen, in the top right corner of the screen, there's a live chat. If you can't see it, you may have to exit out of the full screen. Uh, but we have um, uh, Michael here behind the, the camera that's going to be monitoring that uh, live chat uh, throughout. So if you have any questions, please submit them. There is a bit of, de- of a delay on the broadcast, so uh, it's about 10 seconds or so. So if, if you want to, if you have a question, submit it. Uh, because if you wait right to the end, we may not see it before we actually wrap up here uh, on our end. So submit questions as you go. If um, we also discovered you you do need to have a Google account if you want to submit any questions through the live chat. So if you want to submit a question, you have a Google account. All you have to do is sign in. If you don't, uh, you can always reach us by email. So if you go to Cosmosports.com and click on our team, uh, all of our emails are there. So feel free to send that to myself or you can send it to info at Cosmosports.com. Um, you can do that during the broadcast or after our, after we're wrapped up. If any questions come to mind afterwards, please feel free to send any questions and we're happy to uh, to address those. But uh, hopefully we'll have some questions at the end that we can address uh, about this topic. So, so uh, to jump right in. So today's episode is how to pitch and negotiate your next sponsorship deal. Um, so obviously a very, very important, uh, uh, very important concept um, and, and one that really you know, when most people kind of think of sponsorship, this is kind of what they're thinking about. They're thinking yep. about that, you know, this is kind of the moment to where you, sure. you get started and you jump in, uh, but not necessarily the case, right? As we've seen, we've, you know, we've done a few episodes. No, in my, in my history, sort of 11 years in the business, it's been never been the case. It's, you don't sort of, you think about this, this stage of the process, but it's never been where you just sort of jump in. So, um, you know, I know that you guys have gone through each step of the process and I've listened to the, to the, to the podcast and, um, and it's been great so far. So that really by this point in the process, your homework's been done. You know, this really becomes, um, it, it's more laid out than I think the initial meetings and that sort of thing. It's a little bit more laid out for you at this point in the process. Right. Um, great. 
so so for today's agenda, um, what the hopeful takeaways will be, um, one is that we're going to go through step by step uh, the actual proposal document that you're going to be presenting to to your potential sponsor. We're going to go th kind of through step by step some key elements that you want to have in that proposal. Um, and we're going to go through both kind of the presentation and a, a written proposal that you may want to uh, give to that prospect. Um, we're going to talk a little bit a little bit about in your actual presentation and meeting how to bring that proposal to life, how to how to get the uh, potential sponsor excited about uh, what you're uh, what you're proposing. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then finally we're going to talk a bit about how to follow up um, with that prospect once the uh, once the presentation is over. As we'll discuss, you know, pretty unlikely that someone's going to make a decision right there on the spot. So there's you know, while this would be really nice to be kind of the end of the process um, and get into the activation side, unfortunately, this is still uh, kind of right in the thick of things. So, yep. um, great. So, just to, to kind of frame where we're at, where we are, we wanted to, to share kind of what we've gone through so far through our first four episodes. Uh, so, our first episode, we talked a lot about what sponsors want, uh, trying to put ourselves in their shoes, understand what they're looking for from a sponsorship uh, and their sponsorship marketing program overall. Uh, so we talked about that. In our second episode, we talked about what, as properties and, and events and organizations, what do we have to offer sponsors uh, and what's it worth? So making sure that we're not going in too high, we're not undervaluing what we have, that you know, we have an understanding of what something's worth roughly. Uh, so we went through that. Uh, our third episode really looked at who to reach out to for sponsorships. So try, you know, how to identify a decision maker at a company and how they like to be approached and how to how to identify who they are, how to find out how to contact them, all those types of things. Uh, and our most recent episode was that first initial meeting that you get with that sponsor. So um, hopefully, like we talked about in episode four, hopefully that's at their place of business. You're learning all about their business and their goals and their objectives, um, which brings us to today. So where we get into really the, the pitch um, and negotiation. So, so just a couple couple of guidelines here, um, some really, you know, overarching topics and themes that are, are really kind of present throughout this whole process here. So one is that um, a theme that's really been consistent through the first four episodes is that it's all about them and yeah. that, um, you know, that there are some companies out there that will want to sponsor uh, an event or a cause or an organization based on on the merits of that event and that cause. But in a lot of cases, you know, more often than not, it's it's about them and their objectives and goals. And that's what's going to lead them to want to uh, to sponsor. Um, so while it's still still really focused on them, this this part really becomes a bit of a transition point mm -hmm. where we start for the first time, really, really start to kind of talk about ourselves and, yeah. and but not really, you know, all about ourselves. It's really right. about how can we help them. Well, and that's it. And hopefully to this point in the process, you've really positioned yourself as that trusted advisor. And that's sort of, you know, my approach and it's similar to Carrie's and um, is you just, you want to be in that situation where you, you're coming in as the expert and you're helping them with their situation. And at this point in the process, this is where you are presenting your recommendations for how to improve their business or how to solve their issues. Um, so it's still, yes, you are talking about what you can do, but it's, it's it's in the context of their issues and their stuff so that's that's the key i think um you know the mistake that that people make always is even if they take the right steps to this point they come in with their with their proposal and it's just going through the pitch and it's head down uh looking at the page going through the bullet points and not pausing to see okay is this really helping the the the, the prospect Right. Um, so that's that's the that's the point of the stage is yes it is about what you have to offer but it's 
it's in context of what they need. Yeah, for sure. Um, which actually is a good segue into the second bullet here, which yeah. is you really want to show in this in this pitch that you listen to them in those first uh, sure. few, few meetings that it wasn't all just for show that you actually do mm -hmm. genuinely care about their business and their objectives and think there's an actual partnership here, not just yep. a um, you know a, a revenue opportunity yep. for for your side. So yep, absolutely. Um, and, and so one, you know one way to to show that quite simply that you listen is just you know is to reiterate a little bit back to them what they told you. So uh, the example here we have in the quote here is you know just framing it in the sense of, you know, based on what you told me about yeah. X, we this is why we've included Y, because we think it's going to help you achieve Z. So um, really, you know, reiterating back to them what they've told you is a good way to show that um, that you've listened. Um, so the last kind of overarching theme here on this slide here is, you know, you want to, you want to, at this stage, you want to bring this presentation with you and you want to walk them through it, um, as opposed to sending something by email yeah. or, or sending something like that. Um, so why do why do you think it's important that you're there and walking through the, uh, the presentation with them as opposed to sending it by email? It's just like the whole rest of the process. It's just as it's more important at this stage than any other stage to be in person. But it's just like anything else. You're still trying to build that relation as a relationship, as I said, as the trusted advisor. Um, and it's, you know, me personally, I like to have two people with me. I like to have, you know, typically in the position I'm in now with the with the, with the hockey team, it's having a junior person with me for sure. Um, and, and often it's to let them do the, the presenting of the uh, document of the proposal of the pitch, because then I can have eye to eye contact with the prospect. And if you're not looking at it with them in person, you're not seeing their reaction to different points. You're not seeing if they disagree with you on something and then you can quickly adjust your approach. Um, you're not seeing what they really like. Well, you can you can really tell nonverbal is massive, and mm -hmm. so you can really tell what's um, connecting with them. Yeah. Um, in person is absolutely vital. Uh, deals get made at, at that at this stage of the process, and it's by understanding. Okay, this is what he's or she's reacting well to. This is what they don't love, and talking through why they don't love it. And if you just email that package over, you're not going to have that discourse you can even say you know the 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 by far the less preferable but acceptable situation is go through it with them over the phone right. but you're still missing that person the person that that ability to read how they're reacting to the proposal as it's being presented right um you know you just you lose so much information if you're not in person so you know there's uh, look if you do enough of these there's always going to be situations where you have to email, you're not gonna have the opportunity to present in person. And then, you know, but the reality is your 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 close rate is gonna be much, much lower in those situations. You, you, you've got to do everything you can to get in person. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so, so really now getting into the thick of the, the proposal and the presentation. Um, so we're gonna go through kind of some step-by-steps and some, some elements that you really wanna have in there. So, uh, so the first one, you know, may seem really obvious um, if you're, you know, handing over a, a uh, printed presentation or a written document is you want to have a cover page. Um, but one thing that we we like to do that maybe helps that cover page stand out a little bit more is we like to incorporate their branding just yep. into the overall template of the of the presentation and, mm -hmm. and everything. So why do you think that's important? Um, just like anything else in sales, the, the person you're, you're talking to wants to be able to picture themselves in that situation. So if they're trying to make a decision whether to move forward with you, they want to feel comfortable, okay, I can see myself doing this or see this being successful. And and by superimposing your logo on, even if, if it's very rudimentary, we have our junior staff do it, they don't have the greatest Photoshop skills in the world, sometimes it's just 
you know, pasting their logo on top of stuff. But even taking it that little step, that little bit of effort allows them to A, connect better with what you're presenting, um, but B, also shows that you've made that step and that you do care about the process enough to, about them as a, as a prospect and, and helping them enough to take that extra step yeah. um, because it's just too easy to sort of put together a, a you know, sort of a menu and hand it over. Right. Uh, when you take that extra step, it, it, it means a little bit to them. For sure. For sure. Um, so cover page, you know, at the very you know, simplest putting, you know, having their logo on, on that cover page, incorporating their brand colors into, into the templates uh, where you can, like you said, incorporating their, their logo into pictures, really trying to bring it to life and all that kind of stuff can really make a big difference. Um, so the second one that we wanted to touch on at the beginning here is an executive summary. Now, this is probably more so for your written proposal um, as opposed to a PowerPoint presentation or, or something like that. But um, executive summary is a really good idea to have. It's typically one page um, summary and, and really succinctly describing everything that is in this proposal. Um, why do you think that's that's an important element to, to include? Well, look, ideally you have enough time here to walk through the whole thing in detail and go over objections, go over everything. Hopefully you're talking to the right person. In bigger companies, it's very likely that the person's gonna have to go back and talk to a boss or to another person on their team. And if that's going to be emailed out, or if that's going to be distributed, more often than not, they're going to look at the first page, look at the last page for the price, and that's going to be that. So if you do a really good job on that executive summary and make sure it's really succinct and, and, and connects the dots for them, um, you're going to have a better chance of making an impression, a positive impression on those people that you're not going to get to that one-on-one -on -one interaction with. Um, and then, you know, it just gives you a better shot at, at winning them over. For sure. Um, yeah, it very, like, it's very well named executive summary. It's designed yep. for a high level executive, doesn't necessarily have the time yep. to read the whole thing. Absolutely. So, um, so those are the first two kind of kind of points um, there. Uh, so next, really, again, it, it, you know, they the company is interested um, to this point. Um, it's about them. They feel that somewhere in your audience that their potential customers are hiding there somewhere. Yep. Um, so it's good, you know, early on to kind of show that you do, in fact, have their audience lying somewhere in um, in your audience somewhere. So um, it should be should be based on data, um, and, and you want to show uh, that there's there's that connection. So we you know we have a you know a Venn diagram here. It's because um, that's exactly what it is. I mean, not it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. You know, your entire audience is not going to fit the profile of their target customer. So you want to try to figure out okay, what's where's the overlap, and then how how big of an opportunity is that. Uh, um, uh, for this potential company. So, um, so one thing, you know, people might, might be wondering at, at this stage when it comes to audiences, um, you know, how, how do I know enough about who are coming to these, you know, coming to our event or how, how do I know, um, that there's an overlap of the audience or yep. am I just taking my best guess or what should I be doing? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're, and it obviously depends on the event and, and, and what you are selling and, and how much data you, you do actually have for that. There's, uh, some events out there, you'll have done some research and done some real, you know, scientific stuff that'll really nail down exactly. And there's a danger in both of those. Uh, one, if you don't have that research, it's kind of good because you can anecdotally just sort of, okay, we have this is our typical profile of, of the people coming to our event, and you can marry it a little bit. If you have those those numbers nailed right down, it's great if it fits what they need. Um, so it can tie your hands at times, but. That is always good and um, presenting it effectively is the key yeah. and that's where really at this stage 
the work you've done leading up to this point, listening to what their pain points are, listening to who they're trying to target is so, so important. If you've done a good job to this point of, of doing all that and listening and researching, then this point is, you know, you're just connecting the dots. You're saying here, this is who we have coming in. It fits perfectly. Or, you know, and it's a chance, honestly, it doesn't happen often, but this may be where you have to be honest and say, you know what, a traditional approach may not fit and we may not get to these, but here's what we can do instead. Yeah. So, you know, it does tell you, you got to be sincere about it. Um, you don't make up numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, I'm guessing most of the events and, and the people watching are, are, you know, maybe don't, don't have all the numbers spelled out. Um, and that's where you can get creative and there's, you know, look, okay, who are, what is the typical profile or what, you know, it's not just the majority that matters. There's like, you know, 30% of our group approximately is families as well as young professionals or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, let's figure out a way to specially target them. So that's where you you can get super creative and and, uh, and and just show where where that marriage is. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you've you've kind of described a bit of um, you've, you've got your executive summary. You've incorporated their branding. You've kind of shown okay, there's there's a strong overlap here in terms of audience. Um, we can help you reach the right people that you're that you're trying to reach. Okay. Um, next is really where you can start getting into. Uh, what I guess a lot of people would consider the fun part of, of sponsorship, and that's where you get to, uh, you know, let the creative juices flow and come up with some creative ways to actually bring that, um, bring that brand to life. Um, so when you're when you're taking through, you know, sponsors with with all these different activation opportunities, I mean, what sort of things are they looking for? What do they what do they want to know about activations? All sorts of things, and that's where this is where it's important not only to know what they're looking for, but also what you're capable of, and know as much about your event as possible. So, if you're specifically talking about activations and you're, and you're getting beyond sort of the branding pieces, like can I put a sign here? Can I put a sign there? If you're moving towards sampling, you know, handing out coupons, you know, setting up booths, this sort of thing that happens at events a lot. Now you're getting into you know. Can we have power at the, at the booth? Can we, are we allowed to sample food or does somebody have an exclusivity? Is it, can we sell food? Like those are all lines. You've got to look at who you're talking to. If it's a restaurant or a food supplier, understand going into this meeting, they're going to want to know about, can I get, can I have people taste my food? Is this something that we can, we can do and you should have an answer for them. Um, power is super common. Like you've got to know if you're selling a booth to, to, to an event, You've got to know whether you can get an extension cord there or how much power is allowed or or what the space size is, that sort of thing. So it's knowing as much about your product and what you're selling um, as you do about the the, the, the prospect of what they need. Um, those are all things that are going to get, if they have a genuine interest and they're starting to, they're really great questions because at this stage, if they're starting to ask those questions, that means they're picturing themselves doing it. Yeah. They're picturing themselves buying into this event and, you know, being a part of it, which is great, yeah. which is great for you, but you've got to have, you've got to keep that good feeling going by, by having those answers. Sure. Um, you know, that's, that's the big thing that they're, they're looking for. If it, if it's still a branding exercise and they want to have signs, I mean, they're going to ask a lot of things about exclusivity, you know, what, you know, if they're a bank, they're going to want to know if any other banks are going to be there and they probably won't want to be there if there are yeah. things like that. Uh, branding's a lot simpler to be able to, to to answer those questions. But if it's if it's on the ground, boots on the ground activation, they're going to want to know specifically what can they get away with and what they can't. And that's where you you may you know have to know what you have, and then maybe you have to bend the rules a bit. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you know you kind of opened this uh, slide with, you know, saying this is the opportunity to get really creative. Yeah. Um, you can, I guess, there's there's a risk you can go kind of too far too. I mean, yep. there's really cool activations <laughs> sure, you yeah. can 
you can do, but um, if they don't really tie back to their yeah. goals, then does that really affect? Well, oh, there's a huge, there's, a, there's, there's. I wouldn't say it's a huge risk. It's, it's always a good, good sort of uh, practice to go through. But try to get as creative as possible. But you got to remember, you can't get, you can't get, you can't fall in love with your idea. Um, and it's very easy to do if you get crew, guys that get super creative and girls get super creative. Uh, sometimes we'll get caught up in the whole, well, this is going to be a really cool thing to do. And it might be a really cool thing to do, but if it doesn't help, uh, them sell more slices of pizza or sell, help them, you know, target more consumers, then it's not, it's not going to work for them. And, and you should put that on the back burner for your next, for your next hot prospect. But, um, you know, it is the chance to get really creative and this is where, you know, I find that, that, that people really separate themselves from the pack as far as selling sponsorships and selling uh, partnerships, because it's that ability to, to, to do something really creative that, that um, improves the event for the people that are coming to it and connects the needs of the, of the sponsor when you can marry all that together. Um, but you can't do that without getting creative and, yeah. and you can't do that with, without special activations. So that's where, um, you know, this is a really fun, fun part of it. Cause it's just, you know, it's trying to put all the pieces together. For sure. And this is, this, Part of the process is also really uh, important, you know, reason why it's it's better to not go with those kind of preset Absolutely. packages. Because yeah. um, if you, know, you get to this point, you, you've done all your research, you, you know, you've got them somewhat interested, and then all of a sudden you start mentioning these activations that really have no connection back to the goals, um, then you're kind of done at this point. So you're completely done, and it seems like a pretty, a relatively. Uh, uh, say simple but like a something that makes a lot of sense but you'd be just be shocked by how, how little it actually happens um it's just way too easy and and sometimes it's just not having enough staff or not being able to to, to put the work in but you just be amazed at how uh, um, uh how little that people purchasing sponsorships get approached with really truly creative and you can tell that when they when they get the when they get the the, the, when you're doing the pitch and they actually appreciate it, even if you don't hit the mark on it, if you show that creativity and trying to connect what they need with, uh, with what you have to offer, then, um, you know, they may not go for it, but they appreciate it. And, and you still maintain, again, I come back to that trusted advisor thing. You, you build, um, that, that status and that, that relationship as somebody that, you know, no, we're not going to be right all the time, but we're going to have ideas and we're going to try our best to, to, yeah. to, to fix the issue. Yeah. Great. So you've um, probably spent you know a good portion of uh, of your presentation time with uh, the sponsor going through these specific activations, these creative ideas that you've come up with. Um, now you want to kind of summarize those, um, pull it all together into what should be kind of a, a layered program. Um, so it's not just a collection of individual assets. It's it's really you can start to see that this is a program that's actually going to help us achieve our goals. Um, one thing that we that we like to do at this stage too is is kind of start to to show them. You know, for all this stuff that we're talking about, this is kind of the the monetary value that yeah. that this kind of stuff would be be worth. So, um, uh, so the, the term that we, you know that we use and is very you know common in sponsorship and advertising and that kind of stuff is at this stage. You know, kind of show them the rate card value. This is what this is what the rate card would be. What, yeah. just, you know, what what's the rate card? What, is it, what does that mean? And what's kind of the difference? Uh, the rate card. All it means is if somebody walked in off the street and wanted to buy one item. So if you're a hockey team and somebody wanted to buy a, an advertisement on the boards, this is what the cost would be. Without packaging in, in any elements, without you know doing any activations, it, this standalone price is what we would charge uh, for to, to the person just coming in off the street. Um, you know, I can say in my time 
in sponsorship, that's happened maybe one out of a thousand times. So it almost you almost never use that rate card. Uh, now I say that there are organizations that do and don't discount and don't package, and so there may be there's organizations for sure that just go by rate card. Um, it's not my preferred approach by any stretch. Um, that certainly happens, but that's what we mean when we talk about rate card. So, so wanted to, to show this table again. This, this is taken from the Canadian Sponsorship Landscape Study. Um, we, we referenced this one in the first episode uh, about the service elements that sponsors are looking for and just the, the gap between how often they're, they're looked for and then how often they're provided. And, and one in particular is the bottom one. You may have a little bit of trouble seeing that one on the, uh, on the stream here, but uh, they're looking for info on results, uh, info and, and results on objectives. Um, and you can see, you know, the blue bar is how often it is uh, requested and Purple here is how often it's provided. So you can see there's a fairly substantial gap in, um, in how often that's provided. So um, the next thing that we wanted to, to highlight here is success and, in, and really breaking it out here for the sponsor at this point saying, okay, these are all the elements that, um, that are going to go into the sponsorship program. Here's how we're going to tell if it actually works. Yep. Um, why do you think it's, I mean, obviously, I mean, sponsors are looking for it, but um, why is it important from, from our standpoint mm -hmm. as the person selling the sponsorship to to, to you know, take that onus on ourselves versus you know maybe that should be the sponsor's responsibility to see if it works. <laughs> that'd be nice. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be that'd be something. Um, no, it's definitely on us uh, for for a couple of reasons, and it, and we to be honest, we want it to be on us as much as I, I say it would be nice if they did take on that responsibility. That it, we don't actually want that to be honest with you. Uh, the, to the extent that you can sort of get ahead of the game and and define what success will mean and what. You know, the person you're, you're, you're pitching more often than not is going to be incredibly busy and you're not going to be the only activation or sponsorship that they're engaging in. Um, you know, typically they're engaging with people or companies and events and organizations all over the place. So um, to the extent that you can work with them, help define the criteria, help define how we're going to measure this stuff and then be the one to let them know whether they met those um, those those guidelines. Uh you control the narrative at that point. And that's, you know, it can be difficult to do at times because if you're a smaller organization, it can be tough. Like, it, you know, it's even with our organization, that's one of the biggest things is being able to, to do that. It's very difficult when you're dealing with 50, 100 different partners and sponsors. It's tough to do the legwork on all of that if you're just a one person or, or, or two people or something like that. But um, it's just so valuable to sort of get ahead of it um, to def help define what it, what success is going to mean and then show them how it's going to be successful because, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a second. Um, the way they're going to measure the success, if we just leave it to their own devices is often going to be just pure ROI based on people coming through the door or whatever that situation is. Yeah. And it can be often very, very difficult a, to deliver on just that because it's not fully reflective of the, of the true ROI of a, of a sponsorship. Um, but you, you also can't measure all that stuff. So like, that's why it's so different you, you, from the outset is to really sort of work on, okay, what, what are we going to define sex, this is success as, and then, you know, following up and, and making sure that you, yeah. you paint that picture for them. Right. Assuming you don't blow it entirely. <laughs> um, you know, obviously you're painting, painting the picture into your own favor a, a little bit, but you're, you're also, again, trusted advisor role. So you've got to be honest and, and make sure that you're sticking up, uh, up for them. And, you know, the great thing, you know, when I work with sponsors and partners in, in with our team, it's it's always, um, you know, let's let's measure this as we go. And if we need to switch midway, 
a switch. Now for an event that's a weekend or a week long or a one-off event, that might not be possible, but let's define that on, on the outset and make sure that we, we can sort of shift if possible. And, or if not, it's saying, hey, you know, this didn't quite hit the mark this year, but here's what we can do next year to improve it. Yeah. Um, and, and you touched on there that, you know, some of these elements are going to be a lot easier to measure than others. Yeah. Some, yeah. you know, as much as, you know, society is really more and more kind of obsessed with trying to measure things and quantify things, there's just some stuff that just you can't measure. So what are you going to do in that case? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to have a great answer for that. But uh, unfortunately, like most of our industry, we're, we're sort of wrestled with that. And, um, it's tough when you have Facebook and Google offering real-time you know analytics on 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 your on your buys and on your ad buys and everything else the reality is in sponsorship um a lot of it's going to be a lot more gray than, than what we're than what we're used to online um so you know that's where we have to go back to the again getting on the front end of it defying it on the outset making sure they understand okay you may not sell three times what you spent in plates of chicken but Here's the other, here's the rest of the impact. Here's, you know, ultimately you will. Ultimately, you're going to get this brand impact. You're going to, you know, you're going to be positioned as a leader in the community. You're going to do all these things that aren't going to be able to, you're going to be able to say, okay, somebody's going to just come in and say, hey, I was at this event and now I'm here because of your activation at the event. But, you know, as you sort of position yourself as a leader in that industry, whatever it is, you know, that's going to have that positive effect that you need. So um, helping to define that on the outset really say, you know, a, it's going to make it more comfortable with buying, um, which is always what you're trying to do. Yeah. But B, it's going to make those conversations moving into, you know, after, you know, to get through the, the buyer's remorse period and then moving through the, the event or the season or whatever it is that you're selling. It's going to make it that much more, uh, those conversations a lot easier. Right. Um, all right. So, so now you've, you've defined all the inventory, you've define kind of how you're going to measure the success. There's a fit in the audience. Um, a couple more things you may may want to include. Um, you know, important to include some stuff about, about yourself as well, you know, about the organization. This is where not, not necessary or um, required, but, you know, you can put in things about, you know, your team and then the people that are actually working at the organization, um, about your culture, values, mission, all that kind of stuff. Um, again, with that theme of partnership, um, yep. At this stage, you know, you want to start to get into they care about um, mm -hmm. the fact that they're sponsoring you as well. So, sure. um, and then, so another one that we wanted to, to spend a little bit of time talking about here is testimonials and case studies. Mm -hmm. um, can be a great way to to showcase, you know, other people have have sponsored us and have seen the success, or this yeah. is the type of program they did. Um, one thing that that comes to mind for for me, you know, you mentioned you know approaching a bank or something like that. They may sure. want to know, okay, are there any other banks there? Yeah. Um, so if you're including a, a case study, should you, if you're approaching TD, for example, should you, you know, does it make sense to show a, a case study of RBC or is that going to hurt you or, or how would you kind of think about that? Well, that's where, uh, in a lot of ways, your, your research leading up to this part, point will have told you that answer. You've gotten, you know, uh, before your first meeting, maybe that's something you noticed is that RBC did this in this market and it was a really big success. What do you think about something like that? And they'll have their reaction. So when you're at this point, you know that that's a good good news story or a bad news story. Um, I really love to go out of market for for case studies. It takes away that um, you know I won't. So with our team, it's not very often where I will say, "Hey, this competing pet food store did this last year. You should do this as well," because they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that the guy down the street that they're competing with 
also did this. It makes you seem like you're selling to everybody right. and you want to feel like you're, again, that trusted advisor just working for them um, and, and help them get the best they can do. So um, I like going out of market as much as possible. Uh, in sports, it's super easy because we've got you know teams everywhere and you can call, pick up the phone, call other teams and find out what they've done with, uh, with brands in that industry and that may not be competitive or at least on a grand scale, it might be competitive, but in the market, you know, it's understandable that some other hockey team has worked with a pet food store and done this, and, and it's not going to make you look bad. Right. Um, so that's where I like to go with case studies. I do find that it really helps, um, especially if you have a creative idea that you may have ripped off from another team, which happens all the time. You shouldn't feel 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 uh, um, nervous of doing that. Uh, in fact, I, I you know, for events that everybody should definitely do that, but um, you know, it just helps, it helps the, the, the prospect feel like, okay, this isn't something that's completely random. Uh, it may be creative, but it's, it's had success before. So you're really creating that, that comfort level with, okay, this is something that's happened before. This isn't like, you know, riding in a self driving car. This is like driving in a, in a Ford Taurus, which millions of people have done for millions of years. So yeah. creates that comfort level and, and allows them to take that next step, maybe a little bit easier. For sure. Um, and the other uh, one to this uh, um, point here is, is testimonials as well. So uh, something to kind of keep in mind, you know, whether this is the first time this event is running or if it's been running for years, to, sure. yep. something to keep in mind, you know, when, when partners are happy, it's a great time to ask them for a testimonial because you Absolutely. can share that. Uh, and the same kind of idea, you know, if you've got a kind of a library of testimonials, you yep. can kind of insert the ones that are into your proposal that you think are going to resonate best with that uh, prospect. If it's, if it's, if it's anything but a one-off event or, 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 team or, or if there's any recurringness to this whatsoever you've got to get you've got to get those testimonials and you got to um you know get them while things are really positive get them early in the partnership while they're still happy and they made a really good first impression um hopefully they stay happy but again things happen so yeah. get them as soon as you you've started to deliver and they feel comfortable get those testimonials as much spot be really upfront because they understand Everyone understands that they're, you know, while I say you want to be the trusted advisor and that you're not selling to everybody, um, they also understand that you are selling to the market and, and that, you know, if they feel positively about your event or your team, then they're going to want you to be successful. So get in there, get that testimony, get used to asking for testimonials uh, really early on and, and then and then log them and put them on materials, put them on everything you can, put them on your website. Um, you know, it's just a really powerful thing to be able to, um, again, just create that that nice comfort zone for, for, for the person to make a really positive decision. For sure, for sure. Um, so the last point, uh, point on this page here is a contact page, pretty obvious, but uh, you want to make sure that you are highlighting in your proposal and presentation who on your end is are the the, uh, the contact people to, to be in touch with. Have the right contacts on there yeah. too, not <laughs> the wrong. Sometimes we'll you'll get uh, sort of work through things quickly and you'll be copying and pasting and you'll miss that you've got some guys, uh, some guy's email address on there that, that doesn't match your own or vice versa. So definitely make sure it's the right contact. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. So now everyone's favorite page, the, uh, the pricing page. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, you have to you have to get to this point at some points. Uh, I mean, and and they likely know on their end as well that sure. this is coming. It's not uh, well. They probably they may have flipped to it right out the hop, which which drives you absolutely insane because you put all this effort <laughs> into this this proposal to this point. But yeah. uh, um, for sure, they know it's coming. They know it's coming. So yeah. hopefully, you know, they don't expect that this is all going to be free up to, to this point. Yeah. Um, You'd be surprised. Though. Yeah, you, you may come across that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So one thing that, that we like to do is we like to present an all-in number yeah. at this point. And all-in, um, we're going to get to it, you know, excluding a few a few things, but all-in sure. in the sense of for the rights to all these uh, inventory and, and assets, this is what it's going to cost. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think it's, it's a good idea to present an all-in number as opposed to kind of reiterating the, you know, more menu uh, that we showed a couple of yeah. slides before? Yeah, look, it, it's, it's something that, you know, I've never gone, I've got, always done it all in, you know, showing the all in price. I know there are organizations out there that prefer not to do that, that like to go with the, the rate card or to have discount on each item, but do that. Um, the all in price, A, you know, more likely than not, it's going to be slightly discounted with your philosophy leans that way. Me, I, I you know, in my experience, um, prospects like to see that, that little bit of discount there to, you know, not too big of a one, but, but one that, that, that at least they know it's, coming they expect it and it just sort of shows okay we're we're on the same wavelength here that we're we're, we're talking about the same things um is this isn't to sound insincere and i don't want it to go that direction but by presenting an all-in price it allows you to remain in the driver's seat as far as the elements that are being pitched and the in the final total that gets that gets uh, decided upon if you show just the pricing pure pricing here it is item by item it allows the prospect then who remember isn't the trusted advisor you're the trusted advisor it allows them to say okay well i'm not going to spend this much money to buy all these things and menu that's not really expected you don't see many times you go to a restaurant and have this whole page yeah. it doesn't happen too often unless you're an nfl lineman or something along those lines it's they start picking and choosing or if you present it in a package format like that and and, and, a, and an all-in price you're the expert, so you know what elements can be taken out, um, what can, what should be left in to maintain the integrity of the package. And that's ultimately you're worried about, okay, best case scenario, they go with a, with a, with a, some version of what I'm presenting. I don't want them to take out the most important pieces and then not have this be successful for them. And that's the, at the end of the day, if you're selling based on I can get the highest dollar amount and not worrying about is it gonna be effective for the, for, for the prospect, you're going to lose like in the grand scheme of things yeah. big picture yes you'll get some deals you might get more money early on but you're gonna those are gonna be horrible conversations after the event's done and you're gonna lose so you want to remain in the driver's seat as far as which elements are going to be super vital to um to to, to your partner's success yeah. and and you know they're gonna they're gonna take a scalpel to it and they're gonna say okay i need can't quite make this budget can i do this and then you know, you know, it might be based on margin. You know, might be you know costs in there that you have to, you know, you might have to pay out to uh, the building. Or you might have to pay. So you know what you can keep in there and what you can take out, and most importantly, how how you can maintain the integrity of the of the package and still have it be successful for for the for the partner. Yeah. Um, the uh, the discounting element. So yeah, uh, something that really seems is just baked into this mm -hmm. this process. Um, like to think of it, you know, it's like, you know, people, when they, if they're buying a car, they expect there's going to be some sort of negotiation yeah. there. You're buying a coffee. You're kind of laughed out of the room if you try to negotiate yeah. on buying your Tim Hortons, but yeah, yeah probably um, Tim try, Hortons for but, sure. Yeah. Um, so what's, I mean, if, if I'm the one building this package, what sort of things am I looking for to kind of justify a discount? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you want to know what the right, you need to know what the market's doing um, is the first thing. So, you know, in our market in hockey, we know that rink board advertising goes for a certain rate. 
we value ours higher than, than most other buildings because of traffic and all this other stuff that, that goes into our price team. But we know if we don't discount a certain amount, they're going to go to the building next door. So you've got to have that mindset in there. Um, discounting is a tricky thing. Like I don't, um, I don't encourage people to go you set your prices so that they're fair prices and the values being appreciated in there um, and offer a goodwill discount if it helps you seal a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, we do offer a discount off the hop, but you know, that's just sort of the, what happens in our industry. It, if you're doing an event, if it's a one in your area, you got to know, okay, what's typical A, what do they expect to see? Um, but set your prices so that, you know, don't be, and I know Carrie talks about, you know, going lower, going high, make sure you're setting that price to give yourself enough room so that if you have to come down on and discount some more than you would necessarily like, you're still getting a good number for what you're offering yeah. and you don't want to, you don't want to price yourself out of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the points that we, um, that we talked about here as well is, you know, excluding, so it's an all in number, but you're not including taxes. Yeah. Um, other things like production. So if there's any signage or branding elements, you may need to uh, pay for the actual production of those and then activation, you know, people actually to help activate that. Um, so again, why, why do we, why do we exclude those items yeah. um, as opposed to, again, putting them kind of all yeah. in? The easiest one is tax. So <laughs> I don't know how many places anyone's gone to buy anything on earth where tax has been included. It's, it's very, it's very rare. There are some, you go to the LCBO and it's taxes in, Strangely, that's that's fine. They they do it. It's it's the, ultimately the government doing that. Um, everywhere else, it's 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 plus tax, and people expect to see the price plus tax. So when they're evaluating your uh, pitch, in the back of their head, they're, they're you don't want to you want to make sure that they're comparing it apples to apples. That it's going into their but they're expecting okay if it's five thousand dollars, I'm gonna have to tack on the thirteen percent or whatever the the fees are. So tax is easy always plus tax always plus say just here wherever you're watching from um you know production again as a you know there are organizations that do that show the all-in price with production included yep. and they feel like it's different than what a lot of other te teams or organizations do and it makes them special and they don't want the the the, uh, the the prospect to have to worry about it it's a goodwill thing and that's fine um i still like to have it plus production a because it's a negotiation point so if you get to the point where you're, you're you're going over numbers and 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 you know you're trying to get into that sweet spot where everyone's uh, in agreement, you can use that. But hey, I can toss in production, and it's still a dollar amount. But you want to keep at least some balls in your court, some some bullets in the chamber for you to be able to use down. You know, as you get into the negotiation process, um, it also lean towards that because you know production costs. You know, they they can build up pretty quick, and um, again. For the most part in the industry, if you get into sort of any sort of advertising, it's almost always plus production. So lean towards that because that's what's happening in the industry. Don't don't take on that cost unless you really, really feel like it's going to sort of elevate your status above. You're going to be a good guy or a good girl, you know, because you you included it. Um, me, I just feel like you can do that after the fact as a goodwill gesture in the negotiation process and have that happen as opposed to just off the hop. Uh, swallowing that for sure for sure and very similar for uh for activation i guess is that it's activation they, exact same thing yeah you never know i mean they may have a company that they work with for activation um and mm -hmm. it could be another opportunity for you know a good sign of goodwill yep. at the end you know yeah yep. we can help you activate it yeah kind of so yep, yeah for sure great so 
So like we said kind of at the beginning here, that it's unlikely that a decision is going to happen in the room. Um, it'd be very nice, but it's very unlikely that they're going to sign up, sign on the dotted line. Right they, may even say, they may even say they're in and, and you're not, you don't have it closed yet. Yeah. So they're not going to sign on the dotted line. They may give you a verbal, this looks great. I'm uh, really excited about doing this with you guys. And, and from that point, it doesn't matter. It could go anywhere from that point right. I mean, until you get that name on a, on a contract. For sure. Um, so following this meeting, um, when do you want to follow up? Um, how often do you want to follow up? Yeah. When do you want to follow up? What are your thoughts there? Uh, there's no easy answer. The easiest answer is that you control that. So, um, you know, I know Carrie made the analogy to the dentist's office. When you leave the dentist's office, you, you know, you're booking that next meeting. And this is no different. You have to be, um, this is where you have to be really persistent and saying in the meeting, okay, you know, this law looks great. You know, everyone's, nodding their head, feeling good about it. Let's get our calendars up now. And, but when can I follow up with you on this? What's, how long do you, do you see the decision? How long till you get to talk to your boss and uh, get her uh, uh, recommendation on it? How long is it going to take? So you, you get all that information at this stage and then you, you, you get the, if you can get a, another meeting, ideally into the calendar, that that's where you do it. Oftentimes they'll say, oh no, we'll just over the phone or give me a call here try to get a get a date or at least a range of dates uh give me a week give me a couple of weeks to you know get my boss's uh opinion you know that's where you need to get that information so really persistent don't leave the room without a, at least an idea of what the range is going to be for you to follow up yeah. um and then when you hit that so if they say give me a few days and and i should be good put it in your calendar follow up if it's not a meeting it's a call they may not be there they, you got to remember this is way more important to you than it is to them. It's always going to, no matter how excited they are in that meeting, as soon as they get in their cars and they leave or leave the Starbucks where you're meeting at or leaving the, the venue where, you, where you're making the pitch, their excitement level drops 85%. It's automatic. As soon as they get home and talk to their, talk to their kids or find out their kid got sent home from, from school for hitting another kid, their excitement, they're not even thinking about you anymore. Whereas you're still thinking about, man, I think I'm going to close that that $25,000 deal. Yeah. So it's nowhere near as a point you've got, it's on you to make sure this happens. And I can tell you, like I sit in on both sides of the table, you know, I evaluate a lot of advertising and sponsorship opportunities and, and obviously pitch a lot. Um, you know, it can feel, I know Carrie mentioned this on the last one, it can feel awkward. You can be nervous of being too persistent and following up too much and too often. And I can tell you as someone that has a lot of things going, a lot of balls in the air at all times, I don't see it as a nuisance. It's a, it's a you know, it's a, I appreciate the follow-up because it reminds me, yeah, I was excited about this this opportunity. I, I don't want to miss out on it. And, and, and God forbid, my boss is really excited about it. And if it it's, falls off my plate, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. So you... You're doing them a service. That's the mindset you have to have, doing them a service by following up. But try to set that expectation up uh, before you're done this meeting. Ask for ask for a meeting in a week. Ask for you know, a phone call in a week. When can we, when's a good time for me to follow up? And that at least gives you, now there's no issue with you being too persistent because they've told you, they've given you permission to follow up in this in this time span. Um, and, and, and you're free to go, but you've got to, like, I can't stress the, the follow-up really is what um, what I've seen people be successful in sponsorship. That's really what drives it. It's just the ability to, to follow up more than anyone else is going to follow up. 
and just have that mindset that I'm doing them a service by following up, not vice versa. And Carrie was very Carrie never heard Carrie make that analogy of, of the dentist office, but it's true. I need to get my teeth clean. That's that's a fact. They're doing me a favor. Yeah, do I want to go? No, I don't. Want to go. I'm not going to necessarily call them, but I, I need to get my teeth cleaned. They're, they're doing me a service by calling me so often. And you're doing your prospect a service by making sure that they don't miss out on this opportunity. For sure. For sure. Um, so like we said, you know, it's unlikely that, you know, the proposal's absolutely perfect. There's no objections. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably going to be some feedback yeah. that they, they give, you know, maybe they don't like this inventory or that, you know, you brainstormed collectively um, sure. and came up with a new idea. So um, one, I guess one kind of natural follow-up is to, you know, to take your presentation proposal back to your office afterwards, make those few tweaks yep. and then send that back to them sure. um, in an email. And that's a natural way to kind yep. of to touch base there. So. Yep, definitely. Um, yeah, so, so like we said, you know, you want to, um, you want to take the feedback from the meeting. If, uh, assuming it's, it's not perfect, um, you want to take that feedback, you want to make those tweaks, mm-hmm. um, get a copy back in their hands, whether it's a soft copy or delivering it by, by email, or, you know, in some cases, maybe you want to print out a copy, drop it off at their yep. office, yep. um, at the front desk or something like that. Um, something so that the, the copy of the presentation they have is something that they're really excited about and doesn't have anything in it that they already said kind of no to. Well, and especially if they're if they're going to be presenting this to somebody else in the organization, you don't want them to have to remember the conversation. Oh, yeah, they, they were going to take this out and, and they were going to add this in. Like, you don't want any of that. You want yeah. them to have a clean copy that's exactly what you guys agreed upon, what would look really good, and then and then move forward with that. Great. Um, so that kind of brings us to, to the end. So at this stage, you've now you've taken your prospect through an entire presentation. Um, you've talked pricing and you've, you've got a copy of that presentation with them. And as Ken was you know, talking about, you know, you're now in that follow-up process, uh, trying to just, you know, get a decision made. So, uh, so that kind of brings us to the end of, uh, of our episode today. So the, hopefully the takeaways here um, is that your proposal, you want to demonstrate really that you've listened. It's all based on feedback that you gained in those initial phone calls and meetings and, and needs analysis is um, the reason that you're including certain uh, ideas or inventory is because uh, based on something they told you, it helps them achieve a certain goal. Uh, so you really want to demonstrate that you've listened. Um, this meeting, you know, you want to get them really excited about it. So um, you want to, so be excited when you're, when you're presenting it. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, if you're presenting it in a, in a dull way, in a, in a, in a monotone fashion, then it's, it's not going to help them get excited about it. So you got to be excited about the ideas that you're, that you're bringing forward. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, even at this stage, it's still probably a working document until it gets really into that contract form. Um, nothing's really, you know, set in stone by any means. So things can change. So it's still kind of a working document, but, um, uh, keep that in mind. And, um, again, you know, negotiation is really baked into this process. It's a natural part of sponsorship and advertising. So there's likely to be some back and forth that this person has to go to their boss. You know, the boss yep. is going to have notes or feedback. So, um, so keep in mind that we're still, um, you know, while you presented the pricing and everything, we're still not quite at the, at the finish line yet. There's still, still a little ways to go. Uh, hence we have a couple more episodes uh, yeah, to do. And so. that's in the, the importance there is you, you want to have built that rapport and you want to have yourself as a trusted advisor, as I mentioned 15 times, you also don't want to give away the farm. So you need to be, it can be very easy if you built did a great job building that rapport and that relationship and you've got that closeness to let your guard down. You want to make sure you protect things like production, like taxes and all that stuff so that you don't end up doing a deal that you wouldn't be feel great about. Yeah. 
Great. Um, so, so with that, uh, we have a couple more minutes here. Uh, we'll turn it over to some uh, some Q and A. Uh, Michael, we got uh, any yeah. questions? We got a couple questions. Um, when transitioning to talking about your company's abilities fitting their needs, is there any value in further discussing your company's skills beyond their needs? Can you repeat that one more time? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> when you're talking about what your company can do for uh, fitting their needs, yeah. is there any value in also yeah. bringing up other things that your company is able to do that might go beyond their needs? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, I won't go so far as to say they don't know what they need, and that's not true at all. You, there's some core needs that they uh, that they're going to have that that, that they're going to recognize, but there's going to be things that they don't realize that they don't know about your business and what you guys do that can really help them out. And that's where you know, for instance, with the hockey team, um, you know, whenever we have these meetings, they're thinking branding, names on the boards, on the walls. They're thinking tickets. They're thinking the traditional stuff. And when we start talking about marrying them with a charity of their choice or, or a pet project or dedicating a game to something that they really care about. Uh, they're not thinking that when they're going into a meeting with the hockey team about, about signage, they're thinking about the basics. So um, that's a really great opportunity where you can really surprise them, which is really powerful in the situation. Um, and, and that's where you need to be creative because, you know, they're always going to be thinking about branding and, and, and activation, getting my product out, talking about the bigger picture, talking about some of the other ways that you can marry their brand with some really cool things and some really uh, cool causes and take it that next step. Again, there's not a lot of people doing that in, in this business. There's not a lot of people talking about what, uh, you know, um, things like charitable and, uh, you know, opportunities and, and ways to sort of put them on a, their brand on a, on a pedestal as far as, uh, as it all goes. Mm -hmm. So, as soon as you start talking about that stuff, it shows a that you really care and you're looking to really go the extra mile, and b that you you are that trusted advisor, that you you are an expert in the industry, and it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, great. Um, you spoke earlier to bring a junior person to possibly do the presenting. Do you have any tips on reading the audience if you're not able to bring a person to do the presenting for you? Uh, it's taking your time. For me, uh, I might have you know. Um, opinion here too for me it's it's not being it's a few things taking your taking your time super key with this in general um not feeling rushed not feeling when you do enough of these then you don't you don't feel that hurt anymore you it's really you know to use a sports cliche it's to slow the game down mm -hmm. and go through things and take the time to look up from the page you should know the the presentation by heart you shouldn't have to you're flipping through the pages or you're showing what's up here for their benefit not for your own um so as much as you can know it take your time with it look them in the eye and uh so if you're if you're by yourself that's going to be the key and um one thing we didn't get to talk about either is is uh on the pricing pages don't you know you got to embrace the silence and it's kind of something that takes a little bit um you know early on in your career but uh, or the first times you do this but i really enjoy when you get to the pricing pages and you go through you just sort of lay it out there in front of them here's the price this is what it entails and then silence and it's going to be could be 10 15 20 seconds it's going to feel awkward as hell um but the person is going to sound really salesy but the person typically in that situation who speaks first loses as far as nego negotiation goes and so you want them you want a really genuine reaction from them to the price so whether you're with somebody or not and if you're going to be with a junior person they're not going to probably be comfortable with this so it's going to be the more senior person doing it um it's just being comfortable with that silence right and and waiting for the genuine response from them
and seeing because if you start filling in that empty that that empty air space with with just gobbledygook and nonsense then you know it's not going to help your cause you want to you want an honest reaction and and that's really it again it, you know sincerity is really key in all this and being genuine and and uh so taking your time and being able to look to, you know look up more often than looking down and, and look the person in the eye is key all right. Uh, well, thanks very much, everybody. Ken, thanks very much no for uh, for joining yeah, us. Great. Um, so our next episode is back to our regular time. So uh, a week Tuesday, or sorry, a week uh, Wednesday uh, at 2 p.m. Um, and our next episode is going to look at common objections. So we talked a lot about oh, how the uh, this is not the end, that it's likely yep. uh, that there's going to be some feedback and some objections. So we're going to go through how to handle some of the most common ones and the most popular ones and how to how to have an answer ready, uh, ready to go for you. So thank you very much, everybody. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Special thanks to Ken for joining me on the podcast again this week, and special thanks to Central Counties Tourism and Sport Durham for hosting the sponsorship series with us. Remember, you can subscribe to the Cosmos Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We'd love to hear what you think about what was discussed on this episode. Let us know by leaving a review, or you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or by email at info at cosmosports.com. My name is Evan Colborn, and thank you very much for listening.